0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 897, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you, who, yes, are washing their hands, and yes, wearing their masks. Please think of Josh. Out the
2: door, just in time, head down the 405, gotta meet the new boss by 8am. The phone rings in the car, the wife is working hard, she's running late tonight again. Well, I know what I've been told, you gotta work to feed the soul, but I can't do this all, all. Superman.
0: Hello, my name is Connor Kilpatrick, and sitting in for my co-host Josh Flanagan is Dr. Ryan Haup. He's back. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me back. It's been four weeks in a row of guest hosts. Uh, the unofficial old home week, old home month, as we go to episode 900 continues, uh, and that's because, as we mentioned last week, Josh went out to have some fun and got got COVID. <laughs>
1: it's like it's he's like the girl that has sex in the horror movie like yeah he, was, he,
0: was, he, he he like me uh hadn't tested positive for covid until this year and he so was convinced same, he was me as well immune. yeah so he was convinced he was immune he was not and now he, he he was like i can still do the show uh and then he completely uh devolved as it happens because this strain seems to get worse in in the middle but um uh, he actually was sick with COVID when we recorded the book's blood, which is on the, f- the feed now. But he just thought it was a regular cold because he hadn't tested positive yet. But uh, there's a lot of editing out of coughs and sneezes and blow- running, blowing noses on that episode for me. Anyway, what are we? Oh, we're, this is iFanboy episode. iFanboy Pick of the Week episode 897. And uh, uh, let's talk about what we do. I don't even know what's happening right now. Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics. It's a bigger stack this week than last week. They call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book. Other books in the week, the patron pick. If we have time, listener mail, and spoiler warning. This is a review show. Exercise of caution. This week, Ryan, you had the pick, and you had a very, I thought, fun week. You always seem to be coming around on the. This is the DC week. This is the week where DC it's, has. Yeah, I tend books to
1: for the the consistent two books for me. Uh, appearance to appearance tend to be Nightwing and World's Finest and you know we've talked before about like mixing up my appearance schedule a little bit but I'm just like no those are two of my favorite books being published right now I like talking about them
0: but also Superman comes out this week and now we've got Wonder Woman we'll talk about that book in a minute but let's talk about the pick
1: the pick of the week was Superman number six. No legacy numbering on the old Superman. Yeah.
0: DC's not consistent with that.
1: Written by Joshua Wilson, a new artist by Gleb Melnikov, but still uh, with covers by Jamal Campbell and colored by, uh, Alejandro Sanchez and letter Ariana mayor.
0: As yes, he's kind of, well, no, I was going to say he's kind of in the school of Jamal Campbell. But he's really not. Well,
1: that was skilled. the thought I had. Cause I saw the first page, which is a double page of Superman flying at the quote unquote camera. And, um, I was like, oh, is this Jamal Campbell doing something a little different? And I checked and I was like, oh, it's not. But I kind of see like the way he kind of proportions Superman as a, a lunk. Yeah, is he kind of has that.
0: I feel like he's more in the school of Ed McGuinness. Like if you look at that. Mm-hmm second page after the double page spread like that that superman looks a lot like an ed mcginnis superman
1: yeah the suit where he's holding up the truck and where uh he's leaning up against the uh lois's office door very yeah. ed mcginnis you know and like sort the, of ed like McGinnis is also kind of like exaggerated like hands you know yeah. Yeah. hands and chins and things like that um so i didn't i actually didn't love the transition in art at first but as i read the issue it grew on me and i was like oh this is i'm actually having a lot of fun with this art this is Good, good stuff. Good strong storytelling, good big fantastical Superman concepts. And this is the start of a new arc called The Chained Part One. And basically, Lex has survived. Well, hold
0: on, hold on. It's funny because uh, I talked about this last week with, the, uh, with Jim Ski on the show about Green Lantern. And this was the, you know, it's been three months since we had the cliffhanger in which Lex got shanked in prison. Right. So we're, we're hitting now. All these DC books are finally back. And so, like, this book nightwing it, it's like i've got to really work hard to remember where we were uh three and i didn't ago.
1: i didn't read a single one of those night terror books. i didn't either i didn't okay. either
0: so uh, but i was like wait what did happen oh right lex got attacked and, like it was like every dc book i read this week i had to i had to do that in my head as i started reading them but um so now we're now we're dealing with the fallout of that of lex being attacked in prison while superman was otherwise engaged and what all that means
1: and it's interesting you know super superman realizes that he was tricked into not being able to hear lex at a moment when like he realizes that that it was a plot and it worked against him and i really like the scene where he and lois are going over like what can the daily planet do about this and she's like well wait a second didn't lex give you his company like don't you have other resources available i was like oh yeah he does that's a good point (laughs) Lois." leave me alone right and i just i love the i love the like innate, brash offensiveness of Lex creating a hologram version of himself and calling him son, you know, like, like jor El. Yeah, like, he makes so such Jor-El a jor
0: version of himself to help. It's, I, I, this book has been terrific. Um, I liked that again, Superman has been tricked here. Mm-hmm. He, he was tricked in the last issue. He's tricked again into going into the bowels of Lex Corp and finding this giant safe covered in giant comicals, comic book chains breaking it open and releasing is you know someone who seems to be pretty bad but he was tricked into it and it, Superman is not dumb but right. it's always you know clearly whoever he's dealing with is very formidable because now it's just is two yeah. episode, issues in a row where he's been bested mentally but yeah
1: it's, it's somebody they're like floating so they seem to have some sort of and they are able to redirect Superman's heat vision and to me they look like sort of a bedraggled 90s era Lex when he had the long hair and the beard
0: Mm. Maybe.
1: no you don't think I'm kind of reddish.
0: Bright red. Well, it's, it looks black.
1: It's, I think it's No, there's there's a panel where he's flying up into the sun. Oh,
0: I see. Yeah, you're right. It it's, does have red It's red. It's red.
1: It. Oh, yeah, you're right. So I don't know. So I wonder maybe if this, it is, is Lex Luthor like, too. Right?
0: Maybe it is. It's his body. It's got a brain in it.
1: And then uh, the, it end just, of the end of the issue is, you know, Lex waking up and, and bald Lex waking up in his hospital and be like, Superman, what have you done? And it's just like, oh, this is just, it's just good comic book fun. It's gosh.
0: It's, it's, yeah, it is. And it's very classic Superman. Uh, everyone feels, I mean, even though they're in positions that might be slightly different, Lois is filling in for Perry as editor-in-chief of the paper. But other than that, the Lois and Clark stuff is terrific. The stuff the paper is terrific. You know, Superman being the the man out of water trying to run what is now called Superman Corp is kind of silly, but also kind of fun. I really liked the interaction he had with one of the, the low level techie guys who who showed him something and and he called Superman called him by name and he we, we see him run back to the other techie's going he knew my name and they're like you're wearing a name tag, buddy. But um, that's fun. Him and Mercy is a strange but interesting pairing because she's I, sort yeah. of his right hand man right-hand. at like the Superman Corp now, and it's all. Different enough, but feeling very classic. Like, it, as I say all these things, the status quo is very different, but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel very different. It Correct. feels still very much Superman. And I like it. And I like whatever they've got going on here um, with this guy covered in chains and whatever that means. And we don't know, but it will continue next month. But that. but that was also
1: part of the reason it was the pick was like, right. oh, this is like Superman, you know, sometimes is referred to as having sort of an underwhelming villains roster uh compared to some of the other other really top tier heroes and you know this one they're introducing like i don't know if it's gonna stick but i was interested in the concept i thought the execution was like kind of it was surprisingly creepy for a superman book yeah um and it just worked and it, it even though we don't have the answers yet i was engaged enough by the mystery of it i was like oh this is this is interesting this
0: well, that's is- the best part of the story right when you don't know what's going on and you've got to f- try to figure it out along with the characters Guys, where are you, we? This is part one, so you, you you hope to not have a lot of answers. Um, I, I'm looking through it again, and I, you know, uh, the art, Jamal, the Jamal Campbell art was a huge reason why I loved the book. I mean, I've i been really enjoying the story. I think Josh Williamson's is doing a terrific job. But I remember, I think the 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 Glub Glub Melanikov's art is good. I, it's I agree. Solid. It, it it. He's a good storyteller. He's he's got an interesting character. Models, again, kind of Ed McGinnesy. Superman's a big, you know, big old dude, and and the the villain is appropriately creepy. He's got big, long limbs and sort of a sunken face, and uh, he did a really good job. I'm just as I'm, I'm rapidly flipping through it, like, I'm seeing stuff I really like. There's great angles. There's page mm-hmm, sixteen. There's a really nice, you know, sort of low, long angle of the chains going to the body. Probably yeah, can see it like, or not? I'm sorry, it's a high angle. We're going looking at it from above um but the chains are coming at us like uh, there's some really interesting work here so i think this is a good you know alternate artist to work with uh jamal campbell who's not gonna be able to do every issue because he's a terrific artist most of them can't do that many you know the work that's required is not done in a month so
1: so would this have been your pick i know sometimes Um, it's not your pick you don't even come up with an answer for that but
0: i I don't know i don't there was a lot of books i really liked this week um it would definitely. It was definitely in a discussion. Like after I read it, I was like, "Oh man, that was terrific!" Again, uh, and then when you did you read it? it did you read it before?
1: Or after I told you it was the, the uh, before, for-runner. before. Okay, yeah. gotcha.
0: Uh, yeah. There was several books I would have made to pick. There's one I'm kind of leaning to, but since I don't have to pick one, I don't have to pick right, one. I understand? It's not. It's not, no no longer my stress. So, um, I, I will just keep saying as you have and Josh as well. This Superman series is terrific, and if you're not reading it and you like Superman at all, you do yourself a favor. It's the best Superman. I mean, Action Comics is good, but this is this is terrific. And as as we've been, re- you know, this is a Superman week here at iFanboy. we released a book split about the of Superman book, so um, we're we're all in uh, Superman head, headspace right now.
1: Well, uh, speaking of guys running multi billion dollar corporations, <laughs> uh, Rumpus Room by Mark Russell, the new Mark Russell book from AWA. Are we supposed, is it AWA or it's AWA? AWA? It's AWA. 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 Yeah. Comics with uh, art by Ramon yeah, hope Rosanas. And um, two Mark R- Russell books this week, the latest issue of Traveling to Mars, which I think has been the pick at least once. It's been a pick
0: once before, yeah. And the, today, this and I didn't, it, it's on the rundown, but this issue was really, really good.
1: Yeah, and I have gotten caught up on this book based on it being the pick. I wasn't reading it until it was mm-hmm. the pick, and then once it was the pick, I was like, "Oh, I should read that." And so I've been reading that book, and it is really good. Um, but I was just a little more interested to talk about what seems to be like part of the billionaire island universe, but clearly not. But it's it's so is it uh, not? Is it
0: not? Because the one, the, the, I think the main reason I didn't read it was because. I thought well I've I've had a lot of books that Mark Russell's written about billionaires and those are probably my least favorite of the ones he's written. And so I was like I'll wait to hear what people think before I check it out cuz I was just like I don't know I've I feel like he's been doing that a lot. It's been a lot of billionaire well, island but,
1: books. So, so Billionaire Island wasn't published by No, it's, no,
0: no, it's not. It's um so,
1: But this is it this book has some similar um, themes where it's a it's a ruthless billionaire who lives uh, lives in a, a you know really fancy beach house and this uh, woman shows up looking for her missing sister who is an accountant for his company and he kind of uh, gives her the brush off and then like knocks her out with nerve gas and then has these guys in animal costumes come and put her in a you know private prison that this billionaire is running in his rumpus room and hmm. the prisoners. Um, seem to have completely given up on trying to escape. And uh, uh, an opening scene is the guy, the billionaire complaining about like a face cream product that either his company is producing or he wants to use to keep himself looking young. And then like uh, the prisoners all vote and they, they basically cast out one of the fellow prisoners and she gets put in an Iron Maiden and turned into like a, a, a goop that he puts on his face as the face cream. Well, that's gross. Uh, yeah. So, so like, <laughs> but you know, it's hard not to compare that to billionaire, Island Cause that's almost exactly what they did in, in that book. Was it? Well remember cuz they had that that the people who weren't billionaires on the island got put in that like prison cell.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. They had that whole yes, they were yes, yes,
1: yes. So I'm um, so I'm surprised by how similar that is, but it seems like he's trying to work out something different conceptually here. And we find out the cliff the cliffhanger at the end of the book is it turns out the woman wasn't just investigating her sister as a citizen. She is a cop and has a gun on her and they didn't frisk her before throwing her in the cell, so now she's got a gun inside the prison cell with all the other prisoners.
0: I mean, I know he's also writing Second Coming right now, but I feel like he could have gone to a different story before coming back to looking at the excesses of, you know, evil yeah, billionaires. But
1: it, it sounds like in the, I so I've read the back of the issue essay because it was a really good issue. And the one one thing I want to really emphasize here is I sometimes f- feel like, and this, this is something that's come up a lot on the show before, is that when you work for these um, indie publishers, they don't always have the resources to get the best or most experienced artists. And the art in this is fantastic. I don't know mm. that I know Ramon Rosanas from anything else, but it's really strong out of the gate in a way that sometimes I find Mark Russell's books suffer from the art not being as good as the story itself could be. And, yeah. it's got, and the cover's by Tony Harris and uh, is a really compelling cover as well. So uh, I'm glad to well, see
0: AWA, that. AWA is the former, you know, those big, big editorial hitters there. So they have been getting high quality people in their books.
1: And so the idea, you know, in his back of the issue essay – he basically talks about, I guess, does he live in Phoenix? I guess I didn't realize that. But I don't know. so in Phoenix, you know, for folks listening to this, in the distant future, we it's 2023. We just experienced the hottest summer on record, yep. uh, which might also be the coolest summer for the rest of our lives, right? That's really? the reality of the situation we're in. It's super depressing, it's super bleak. And he was in Phoenix when they had an entire month of uh, days where temperatures were above 110 degrees and typically didn't drop below 90 at night.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, so the news.
1: Um, so he, uh, I think is feeling frustration at our collective inability to deal with some of the problems the world is facing, especially climate change. And it's something that, you know, we should be taking really seriously. We should be doing a lot. We should be devoting almost every resource at our disposal to tackling this issue. And we kind of just aren't because the political will isn't there. And so he sort of compares that to being a prisoner who just accepts the fact that you're in prison. There's nothing you can do and you have to vote out prisoners one by one and hope it's not you next. And he just wanted to write a book about People in a situation like that who suddenly are given the opportunity to actually change their their circumstances by this cop showing up with a gun and what they decide to do in in reaction to that. So,
0: mm. was it like your second in the you know pick? Was it like yeah? It was place? it was
1: pretty high. It was pretty high up there. I mean, I, I think the art being as strong as it was, the story being intriguing. You know, I have existential dread about climate change too. Like <laughs> that that back of the 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 end of. Issue essay actually kind of spoke to me on that level. Right. I think I think the first three books we're gonna talk about were my top contenders, and um I think I put them more or less in the order that I would have ranked them if I had to. So,
0: so it's in Captain America seven hundred and fifty one or giant one on the cover, the new uh reboot, which I was excited for because I just did not at all like the last volume. I liked all the people involved. I just didn't think the story was compelling or very good, and it was another one of those uh, you know, everything you know about this character is wrong Sorry, And I just sick of those.
1: So what, what, what did you, what were your feelings about this going in with the creative team? As uh, I was on excited. Cover.
0: Um, Jesus says, however you say this, his last name is, is someone I really like as an artist. I think he's, he's very solid and good storyteller and I'll, I'll, we'll get into it in a minute, but I, I like a lot of what he did here. Um, I don't hate J. Michael, just going to see like Josh kind of does. I mean, I share his amusement on his inability to finish anything, but you know, he's written a lot of comics I really like. He's written some comics I really didn't like, but that's not that unusual for a lot of people. So I was excited. He's.
1: Yeah, for some reason, Straczynski, I, I, I think it's probably because of his tendency to not finish projects that he's started. I, I think he's just developed a reputation in comics where you're expected to have a strong opinion on him as a creator more so than other people who Yeah,
0: I just don't I just don't. Like I I get it. His the the walk the, the walk story was dumb. Uh I hated the Gwen Stacy thing, but this other comics he's written, I think are really terrific. So, I always if if he's writing something I like or, or I'm interested in, I'll give him benefit of the doubt. And I think his sensibility is Kind of right on the money for Captain America. He I think so too.
1: Of, that was that was a thought I had after, while I was reading this. I was like, yeah, this is like really good Cap characterization.
0: His Americana uh, sort of throwback, you know, um, old-fashioned sensibility. It's perfect for Cap. And other than the the worst thing about this book was the the cover was really bad. But um,
1: I have a different feeling on the worst thing about this book. But we, okay, we, can, but, we can get into it.
0: Uh, I just th- I thought the cover was just really really bad. So this you know, re- resetting things with Cap. He is now. Um, I guess, oh, he's in the Lower East Side. Thankfully they haven't moved into Brooklyn, but he's living in the building he grew up in. It's being condemned. He decides to get a loan from Tony and he buys it. I thought Tony was broke, but it does not matter. does not matter. <laughs> there <laughs> is no makes more sense. continuity in any in, of in his books.
1: And, and for and, me, the, the worst part of this issue was for whatever reason, the way that Straczynski wrote to- Tony and Cap's dialogue yeah. between each other, I thought was awful.
0: He was doing Robert Downey Jr. for sure. So he buys the building, saves it from being condemned, saves all of his neighbors from being thrown on the street. And we really, I mean, it's mostly an issue spent in flashback to himself as a kid and, you know, fixing the building up while thinking back to when he had to survive, when he, when his dad died and his mom and died. And there's a great
1: page, I think it's 11 on your digital reader, where yep. it transitions to the past and you see the building going from being in a state where it was going to be condemned in a teardown into yes. back to its pristine... 1930s no so the neighborhood i live in 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 dc most of the buildings around here were built in the 1920s and it's pretty Mm -hmm. consistent like the land went from being like a privately held plantation to you know development for a neighborhood and so all the buildings kind of went up at the same time is that similar to the lower east side of manhattan i don't know um i mean i don't
0: think they all went up at the same time but um you know you've got your pre-war buildings that look kind of like this uh i'm just i'm not overly familiar. I didn't grow up in the lower side. I grew up in the upper west side, about as far from there as you can get to still stay in Manhattan. So I'm not as quite as familiar as with, with the uh, history of that architecture, but it's not, uh, not unusual. So much of Manhattan was, you know, went up in that time period of the early, early uh, 1900s. So that makes sense. Um, I thought it was really fun. He, he briefly goes to help with fantastic four. I really liked when he sh- comes back through the portal, lays down on the grass and, just, just,
1: and I love I the, like, I hope Reed lets me keep the jetpack. But yeah, the so yeah. tired. Hello, Front Lawn. Because <laughs>
0: <Like, laughs> he's gone for what's, what's for him, days is only a short amount of time for the, the world. I just thought it was, as a character piece, it was terrific. Yes. I really loved that Jesus says drew him to look like a guy from the 40s. Because so often you see Cap just. You know, we always make fun of a hipster cap. Like, and he's kind of like that in the Uncanny a- a- Avengers book this week, where he just looks like a guy from Bushwick, and not not a guy who came from the '40s. And well, and
1: looks- I like I like how he conversed with his neighbors, where he was like very open about the like. Well, let's see, that would have been thirty six, and they're like, you became Cap in forty. He's like, "Yeah, I know. This was before. You know, was, I thought like his frankness about mm-hmm. his own longevity, I thought was interesting in a way that we don't rarely see him." just being right. able to talk about it as a person that you would talk, that anyone else would also just talk about their memories. You know,
0: he's also beefy. Like first movie, uh, Chris Evans was, yeah, uh, I like that a lot.
1: Um, it made, seeing the way his size drew, drew him modern day, was reminiscent so I remember I remember like you know I watched some YouTube video once that was like facts about the MCU you didn't know and i don't know, just some garbage to have on the background yeah. and like one of the facts was like the costumers regularly put Chris Evans in a, a, a size shirt too small I was like is that really a fun fact that nobody could have <laughs> figured out like yeah obviously that was not like he's not wearing yeah. a shirt <laughs> it's it's stretched over every fiber of his being uh,
0: I still remember uh Comic-Con one year, we went to see, uh, they did a premiere of Scott Pilgrim, and he's obviously in that movie, but it was while he was shooting Captain America. And we were up in the balcony, and they had a, we didn't realize this, but they had a section in front of the balcony reserved for the cast, because the cast all came out, and they were, like, everybody was in the, everybody was there, and then they, and then the lights went down, they snuck out, and came back in, and went, sat in the balcony, and at one point, this hulking figure passes pa- passes by, not not right in front of us, maybe 20 rows in front, and I was like, Jesus, who was that? And it was Chris Evans because he was just—he was so big. Yeah. Um.
1: Anyway, I, never, I, I, I one more fun, fun yeah. Chris Evans fact. This, this actually is a fun fact that people might not know. The Schwarm scene—they didn't. Yeah. I think most of us know they didn't film that as part of their movie. Um, he's it was got like, his
0: beard on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody
1: yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, Okay. Well, then I guess you did know. What <laughs> so, about the listener? We the about it on, the,
0: on the podcast review. Um. I mean, and then you know, there's the it introduces a villain that I'm not a, familiar with. He seems like it's a new person. Um.
1: Sort of but, mystical South American spirit demon thing, and then at the end, which I'm I not that, super I that was thrilled the weak, by. I thought that was the weakest yeah. part of the story. I,
0: I, J. Michael's just needs to stay away from all mystical demonic villains.
1: But it turns out Captain America is a totemic figure. There's always- I will
0: burn this place to the ground if that's what happens. <laughs> but then it ends with a flashback again to young Steve encountering the Bund, and I was just like, oh, he's just hitting all my buttons right now. the The German American Bund, which was the uh, the American Nazi, you know, sympathetic party, and it just it, it, he he hit he flipped all the switches for me for Captain America, and obviously this wasn't an action heavy issue, though there was a little bit of it, and I'm looking forward to more of that coming up. But and
1: the cover as, for issue two is him with Spider Man, so like when Sue Storm showed up here, I guess this is I'm guessing the format for this book is going to be each issue is part flashback, part team up,
0: which will be great. And I like yeah. his relationship with Peter a lot. Peter, one of my favorite issues of that Avenging was it Avenging Spider-Man? What book was that? Where, uh, Peter and Steve bonded over being kind of nerds. Cause you know, people, you know, they, for, you know, they often don't deal with the fact that Steve was like a, you know, quiet comic book artist and, uh, they bond over that. And that issue is one of my favorite I think Zeb Wells read it, wrote it. Um. Anyway,
1: there's, yeah, just- there's there's a lot of like great Cap and Peter moments over the years. I remember one one that always sticks out to me is like Peter goes to the Avengers mansion and sees Captain America training and he's like, wait, this guy has to train because for Peter, he doesn't have to like Peter doesn't work out. Peter doesn't right. <laughs> doesn't right. practice. He just his his powers cover that. And like when he realized that captain America is a guy who puts in the work, his like respect for him only grows. And I thought, I always thought that was like an awesome scene that juxtaposes the,
0: the different perspectives. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to more of this. I liked this a lot. This might've been my pick. I didn't, I mean, I didn't really think about it, but that it was leading towards it at the end. So that might've been it, but um, I'm excited for this. Certainly. Uh, for right now doesn't offend me as the last arc did, but um, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: You're not offended by Nazis, Connor. How dare Uh, you? I'm not offended by Captain America punching them. God, this is the episode where Connor gets canceled.
0: Jack Kirby's star warriors, the adventures of Adam star and the solar legion. Now this book, uh, Ryan and I both read because it was neck and neck for patron pick. And uh, I don't don't know if I would have read it otherwise. I might have, but I don't know. It's hard to say. It's from image comics. It's a one-shot, and uh, the origins are du- not dubious, but confusing. So this is a quote-unquote remix of a Jack Kirby comic from 1940 that he did when he was 22 years old. You know, yeah, 20 some odd years before he cr- helps create the Marvel Universe, and uh, the stories appeared in Crash Comics, which was a you know, a, I guess a, you know, an anthology back then. And it was his sci-fi character, uh, Adam Star. Some sounds kind of similar to Adam Strange, but not 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 really. But um, I'm not sure what Shioli did here versus what Kirby did. I've read conflicting reports.
1: Yeah, I would have loved to. I, I was I was reading this hoping that the back matter was going to give us some side-by-side pages uh, so we could at least see sort of in general what Scioli did. To, to like, I don't know
0: it. if he redrew the whole thing or just parts of it.
1: Or I wonder if like. Because the way the, the layout doesn't, I, I haven't read the most golden age comics, but the layout for this feels like a more modern layout. I don't know if maybe he re- rearranged the panels, you know, made them a lot bigger so that there's less text heaviness, you know,
0: it's hard to say. And they're not, they have not been very forthcoming in the in materials about what was done by whom I've read this. You know, the opening says that this was a Jack Kirby story that ran across three issues. I've read he only actually drew one of them. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just very confusing. I'm not going to get overly concerned about it, but I just didn't... I didn't know. It says, faithfully adapted from the original Solar Legion stories. Characters are created by Jack Kirby as they appeared in Crash Comics. So my gut is he just redrew the whole thing. That's my gut.
1: But But it... <sighs> It doesn't, I mean, Tom Scully has a style that is purposefully reminiscent of Jack Kirby, but this
0: is, this is is 22 year old Jack. Kirby. This is
1: so early in his career that like his signature style. I also wonder if the way that things are like maybe, you know, uh, shaded or, or, uh, inked is, is where Scully did most of the work here. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I would love, I I don't know if those original crash comics issues are easy to get or or have been digitized,
0: but my gut, my gut is that he redrew this whole thing, but. That's just me guessing. It doesn't really matter. I just
1: use the same text.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just sort of redid it, and or maybe even expanded on it to make it fit a full one full issue. I don't know if this was worth ten dollars. Yeah, <laughs> or
1: <that's what> <laughs> thirty pages
0: or whatever it was. Um, uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed I, it. I, know, I noticed that
1: too. I enjoyed, I also enjoyed it, it
0: from an anthropological point of view because. It's not. I mean, it, I, it, look. Even if Tom Shioli redrew it, he redrew based on what Kirby did. So, like, Kirby's in here, right? So we can we can assume this is the Kirby stories. Even if even if he added more pages, even if he he didn't actually draw this art, but you can, it's redrawn. If it if it's if it is,
1: I like the idea of this as an exercise. Like, I like the idea of let's take some old Golden Age comics and get a, a modern artist to sort of riff on them a little bit. Maybe make them a little bit more readable to him. I but I'm not, not saying they, I'm not
0: saying he riffed on him because he just. Re- I think he just redrew exactly how Kirby drew it. I don't think. Right, it's but, a but what, I'm,
1: what I'm trying to say is, is I would, I would actually. This issue I had fun with. It was, it was an enjoyable little romp. But I also would be curious to see this done with other books from the from that era. Well,
0: well, my point really is that it was interesting to see how the storytelling was done because really. It's not. Um, it's not a story. It's more of someone telling you a story. If that makes sense, it's not. A, I was thinking of it more like a drawn treatment. It's not like a script.
1: It's like a written uh, radio play, or and a, a drawn, even, I, drawn radio play. Yeah, maybe
0: it's like it's there's there's not a ton of dialogue. I think the first bit of dialogue shows up like ten pages in, and it's more like. This guy did this, and then this happened, and then he did this thing, and then this guy got shot. And like it was more like yeah, someone describing a story to you than actually the
1: story. Adam radios being told. the Martian Legion base and promptly receives his answer in the form of a patrol ship carrying the rocket boat he requested. You know,
0: yeah. So it's, it felt more like a drawn treatment than a drawn story. So <laughs> it's, it was, it's, it's interesting it's to the see it that way. Yeah, and it's just I just found it really fascinating to, to to read it in that sense, like how were stories being told in, in some form or fashion in the forties? Not all stories are being told like this, but. I I liked that aspect. One other
1: interesting anthropological artifact was, you know, this story is set on a couple different uh, spots around the solar system. Um, You know, one spot is on Venus and and Venus is sort of a very wet, humid tropical desert or uh, tropical forest, which, you know, there was a time where it was theorized that like, oh, Venus is covered in clouds under those clouds might be jungle, you know? Right. And, um, and again, remember this was being done in the late late thirties, early forties. So we hadn't been, space yet right uh so then also when he's on mars there are canals and there was a whole thing about like one of the early astronomers looking at mars saw these linear structures that uh we now know to be like a certain type of sand dune that forms in the martian atmosphere but um or the martian environment but like he theorized like if there's a civilization there maybe they built canals because these things look like they run really straight lines and really consistent patterns um so i liked that i don't know I know Kirby was a big Von Daniken guy who was the um, writer who, for, who wrote a cherry to the gods and sort of first gave the world, the idea of the ancient aliens who had come to earth and built the pyramids and all that stuff. Um, so I know Kirby was a big into that. And and so it was interesting to see maybe sort of his, ast- his sort of astronomical thinking portrayed on the page as a young man. I, I, I when you mentioned that's being an anthropological artifact, that was also something that came to mind.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, there was one point where he talks about you know the ship gets pulled up and there's bodies f- f- uh, floating, frozen in space, and I thought, wow, did they know that? That's what ha- what happened to bodies? Like, I just didn't know. You know, what- I think
1: I think yeah. By the time Kirby was in his 20s, we we were pretty sure that space wasn't like an ether anymore; <laughs> or that it was just a vacuum. But who knows? Anyway,
0: I I thought the art was really interesting. You know, it's not. The Kirby we would know from the 60s. Again, even if it's surely it's him redrawing Kirby. So this is this is what it looked like probably. I like that you could – and again, it may not be. It could all be, be Kirby. I just don't know. Uh, I like that you could see the graphite on the page. I thought the designs were fun. I mean it was a fun, thrilling story told for, with a giant remove to it. It wasn't like you were in the story. It's like someone relating a story to you. Um, so that was inter- – I just – I found it more interesting than good. Uh, I liked reading it. I, I really enjoyed reading it. I just found it really more interesting than, than like entertaining.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think there's, there's value to be had. If you want to on any level, consider yourself a scholar of comics or somebody who cares about the medium in a, in a deeper way. I think reading books like this are informative. So
0: and I liked the little two page story at the end, Cyclone Burke about a world war one pilot. who gets sucked into a vortex and into, into an alien world.
1: God, can you imagine being a World War I pilot I can imagine getting sucked into an alien vortex I think more easily than I can imagine being a World War I pilot it was just I, I, you know as uh,
0: someone who likes his, you know, comic history it was interesting to read that's more than anything sticking with it <laughs> well that's, that's all there is so quick break, let's talk about how you can help support iFanboy. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is the most direct way to support the show. If you think we bring value to your comic book life, if you th- if we th- if you think we bring value to your just sort of entertainment life, if you find the show fun and enjoyable to listen to, if you think it adds something to your comic book knowledge or appreciation, all those things might think might lead you to think, hey, maybe I should support the show, make sure they keep doing what they're doing load those 18 years. And patreon.com slash iFanboy is the best way to do it when you become a patron, you join a great community. There's a Facebook group. There's a discord server. We've got a lot of new people join recently. Paul's been super active in it recently, ever since his show, he's been in there every day. Um, and we give you merch for being a patron. We reward you after three months of patronage, you get tier exclusive merch. There's sweatshirts and t-shirts and mugs and posters, all kinds of things, depending on what level you're at. And you, you get that as a reward. We thank you for that. Also, you get to join our monthly patron hangouts, which I think is happening. This next, no, next Saturday, weekend Saturday, yeah. where you know for an hour officially josh ron and i hang out and chat and talk to the fans and we even have a call-in number we occasionally do call-in shows but usually sometimes for an hour or two before that we have the pre-hangout tiki happy hour which we started doing during the lockdown as just a way of socializing but now we kind of keep doing it because it's fun uh me and sometimes ryan and sometimes gordon the intern sometimes mike romo sometimes uh hank the arms dealer and sometimes even ron shows up and we Have a good time, so that's a two or three hour experience once a month for the patrons, and we, we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, Gordon's
1: still l- the intern, and Hank went straight to Arms Dealer that's well, wild.
0: Uh, we enjoy doing it, it's a fun time, it's a loose alcohol fueled show for the patrons, and we, we, we let we thank you. Uh, ifambo.threadless.com is our t shirt store, you can find our 13 shirt designs there, and uh, those designs can get uh, put on other things besides shirts, but most of people buy shirts and. They're good shirts. I was just wearing the "Stay Home and Read Comics" baseball tee the other day. It's very comfortable. Fmwa. slash support is our direct donation PayPal tip jar. So again, if you're if you're one of those billionaires who doesn't put people into weird prisons in order to take their fleshy bits and make them into creams,
1: I don't know that we have evi- any evidence to suggest that that's not true for all billionaires.
0: I mean, I feel like we. I feel like it's probably true that not not all billionaires do that. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I mean, I mean, I
0: used to work for one, and he definitely was not smart enough to do that. Anyway, uh, family.com support is a great place to throw in a digital tip if you don't feel like being a patron or buying a shirt. And that's totally great. If
1: you don't feel like being a billionaire.
0: <laughs> yeah, listen, if you, if you have a tax issue, that's a great way to do it. Instead of hiding it in, in uh, some off- sketchy offshore account. Throw it into oh, the PayPal. Or policy.
1: if you need us to meet you in the Caymans <laughs> right. to do the transfer. If you
0: have a couple of boot- suitcases you need us to handle, we'll, we'll I will I mean, I'll
1: go, like, I like scuba diving. I'll go on a trip to the Caymans for a little, little cash transfer, a little scuba I will diving. I'll figure like. out
0: exactly how to make that work. I yeah. uh, found slash Amazon is our Booksplode store. You can find all of the links to all of our Booksplode books as well as a general shopping link. And actually, I need to update out the new Booksplode book and bookshop.org is our partner to help support local bookstores. When you go to explode book sh- shows, you'll see a link to buy the booksplode book via bookshop.org. It helps out local bookstores. It's where I buy my books. And uh, as long as local bookstores are around, society is not totally lost. So,
1: And could... libraries. And
0: libraries. And libraries. There you go. Those are the ways you help support the show. We thank everyone who does that. Let's move on to Uncanny Spider-Man number one. Real quick,
1: though. How many library yeah. cards you got?
0: Actually, I don't have any. Oh, Libraries in LA are not super great.
1: Okay. I'm up to four.
0: All right. Well,
1: I have apparently, apparently as a, as a DC resident, there's like nine different libraries in the area that will give me a card. And I've just been working my way through the list when I have to like, if I find myself in Arlington, I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna go to the library and get a car. <laughs> I lived
0: when I grew up in Manhattan, I lived there in the corner f- from a library and I was there weekly as a kid, and, you know, not multiple times a week.
1: Yeah. We've, we've already gotten Cal-, Cal already has at least one library card. So
0: Uncanny Spider Man number one, the latest issue in the X, Fall of X. Is that what the, thing, the name is? I, I closed my. IPad yeah, Fall while I was of talking. X. or yeah. Lee Garbett. And this is, I thought this was super fun. I am really enjoying, I've said it before, these X Men books. I'm not reading all of them, but I'm picking and choosing. And this particular book is just wacky enough to be awesome.
1: I In didn't know this was an X Men book when I downloaded it. Nightcrawler, because the, 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 the cover thumbnail was too small, and I didn't. I thought it was. I thought it was a Miles Morales book. I did not realize it was Nightcrawler until I saw it full size on my iPad screen. I was like, "Oh, huh."
0: Nightcrawler is hiding from Orcus by pretending to be a Spider Man. He's got a, one of Peter's spare suits, and he's got uh, he's also. Why around. does Peter
1: have a suit that looks so much like Miles' suit?
0: Well, Miles is, must have got his suit from somewhere. It doesn't look like Miles' suit, though just the color scheme does. All right. I thought it was fun. I thought I thought Nightcrawler trying to be friendly neighborhood Nightcrawler was funny. Yes. Um I I did have a revelation about Orcus this week because it, it, I read two books. I read Uncanny Avengers and I read this one. And if everyone's why I don't understand why everyone's down with Orcus. Like Orcus, you know, sponsors that school in this Marvel and they've got merch and people here, you know. The regular folks, the non mutants, are talking about how great Orcus is. But Orcus has said, for every mutant we find on Earth, we're going to kill ten humans. Why is anyone cool with that? Why are they all like Orcus is great? I, I, I was, I was like, I had a moment where I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, because I'd forgotten that bit, and I was like, I think it came up in the Uncanny Avengers book, and I was like, why is everyone down with Orcus if they're going to murder ten humans for every every uh, every mutant they find? Anyway. Uh, this was super fun. I thought this was really enjoyable. I,
1: I thought so as well. I don't just cause I'm not digging the fall of X stuff as much as you are. I don't know that I will stick with this, but I thought the Lee Garbutt art was fantastic. Yeah, Really good. Yeah. Really, really solid art. I've, you know, and it's, I think uh, many of us who have been comics readers for a long time, we, we, it doesn't. You don't have to be a next level thinker to realize, like, oh, Nightcrawler and Spider Man have some stuff in common, right? Like, right. they both can stick to walls. They're both very agile, but like Nightcrawler can teleport, but he's not as strong as Spider Man. So it's interesting to see. But he's got
0: a sword. He's
1: got a sword. I, I
0: here's here's what I what I really like about this. I mean, I like the overall stuff, but I'm always a fan of the mix and the match, right? Take the sure. characters in a bag and throw them in and then pull some random ones out. So here you've got Nightcrawler. In this issue, he's fighting the Vulture, who's who's calling himself Director Vulture because he's got a you know a lab job, and he's and the next issue's cover is him and Rhino. So I like the idea of putting now Nightcrawler up against Spider-Man's villains because I've never seen that before.
1: Yep, and so it's
0: fun. that's what I really liked about this issue. I really liked it too. So I think uh, a telling thing for me is that I I think I saw that Fish Flies number two came out and my 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 eyes just kept on going. I didn't register
1: did you but read the was, first i issue? did read
0: the first one i think it was patron pick but i did read it i always check out jeff Lemire. i don't remember what it was about like if you came okay. in and walk, if you walked in here and put a gun in my head i would die, I have to die because i don't remember what it was about
1: well let's I, not let's not let it come to that
0: <laughs> i don't remember if i liked it or not i might have but I, i'm sure we talked about it i just i when you put it on the list i was like oh that book <laughs> and i just didn't didn't register with me
1: yeah and I, I don't know like i i well, what is it
0: about remind me and the listeners what it's about
1: uh, it is about a, a town in Ontario. I think this might be back in Essex County, but not in, you know, I think it's right. like this is a more fantastical tale than that. And it's about a group of kids who go to a mini mart while the mini mart is being robbed and one of the kids gets shot and the guy who shoots the kid runs and hides in the a barn of a farm of a different, who where a different kid lives. Oh, and then right. he turns That's like into a bunch of
0: flies. Yeah. A,
1: yeah. And so the fish flies refer to this bug that come off of the lake, lake. Right. Chicken? Right, right? I was just in Chicago. I should know. I'm really. I'm more of a rivers guy, so I don't know lakes as well. That's all right. You don't have to. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's about so the fish flies refers to this this bug. I guess it's like Huron, like Huron. No, wait. Where? What's the like Lake one Titicaca. In, where, where's Detroit? Lake so Erie. Maps. Lake. It's must be like Huron. So, yeah. so I, I didn't. This book, reading this book, made me realize that I actually didn't know where Essex County was in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like having loved that series, you know, I think that. Oh that,
0: sure, great series, great mini series.
1: Yeah, well, it was like three a series of three graphic novels. Yeah,
0: but it was like the, a mini series. Yeah.
1: And the way that Essex County is portrayed is, is like it's super rural, right? But it's yep. across the border from Detroit. Like, it's practically a suburb of Detroit. I didn't realize. And I know those books are set in the past. But right. um, Fishflies refers to a fishfly or fly that spends most of its uh, prepubescent life in the water, so in Lake Erie, and then, you know, has, like, a mating cycle where they um, metamorphose into their adult stage, and they fly into the air, sort of like cicadas when we get our big, you know, annual cicada blooms mm-hmm. here in the U.S. Um, and so they all, you know, they emerge from the lake, they cover everything in bugs, and then they die within, like, uh, Forty-eight to seventy-two hours, because because it's you know they they metamorphose into adults to mate. They don't even have mouth parts. they can't eat, uh, so they just mate mate, 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 lay their eggs, die. Mm-hmm. So this it's this town is just covered in these bugs. And then this guy who shot this kid—the kid is alive but in a coma. The mom is having like visions while she's praying over the body. The sheriff's trying to solve the crime. The guy who shot the kid is turning into a large bug man, like Avid's metamorphosis uh-huh. style in the barn of this girl. And I, I couldn't quite tell you what the the full complete through line is, but it's just, I'm loving Jeff Lemire back on story and art. Um, cause I just felt like we, we, we all recognize several, several, but, but you know, it's, it's, I mean, lately to me, it's a treat because like his style is so far from mainstream comics that to get, to see him do his thing and just tell stories the way that his hand, both as writer and artist wants to tell them, I think is, is special in a way that the stuff he's just writing isn't, always there which is not to say that his his writing isn't always good it's just this is different in a way that i
0: like his writing can can be great essex county was amazing and made us all weep and you know sweet tooth Tooth and other books uh the one he did not too long ago about the guy looking for his daughter but uh, what i've often said about him on the show is he has a lot of ideas and i don't always respond to all of them and that's totally fine because he's does a lot of books and I don't remember. Maybe I didn't love the first one. I'm just listening to you now. I'm like, yeah, I don't really think I missed anything by by missing this one this week. It just doesn't seem like it's up my alley. But maybe it'll, maybe I'll be wrong. And right
1: I'm now. not I'm not totally in love with it. But you know, when I think when I reflect on the fact that it's a these are sixty page issues, like they're yeah, they're oversized. All right. It
0: was giant. let I remember that. Yeah.
1: But but because Jeff Lemire's style is so sparse, they read really quickly and smoothly. And I just I don't know. I I think. There's part of me that misses that sort of indie boom of the early aughts that Uh had me reading a lot of books that were well outside the mainstream, well outside the superhero. And so to have something that scratches that itch in my stack is just, it's fun again, whether I'm super into the story or not. I just enjoy that. That's a thing I get to to have.
0: I'm sad. You know, I'm sad that Josh is sick, um, but also that he's not here to talk about Hey Kids Comics Volume 3, Number 6. The final issue of Hey Kids Comics. The and I,
1: I was reading this, but I've fallen far enough behind that I, I couldn't catch up today, so I, I that's haven't okay. read it okay. The,
0: the book that Josh and I both loved and hated at the same time, hated only because it would drive us crazy trying to figure out who everybody's supposed to be. This issue opens up with a 28-person cast of characters first page, which should have been a sign that this was the end, but I didn't know it was the end until I got to the very end of this issue, and we get to... Um, this is, of course, the fictionalized history of comics. It's, it's not the actual history... Not the actual people. It's the fictionalized... History, And so this in the last issue, we had 1986, we had Crisis on Infinite Earths, we had Dark Knight Returns, we had Watchmen. This issue sort of starts from that place, goes through uh, image being created, Alan Moore going over to image, of course, none of these people are named that, uh, image screwing over Alan Moore, <laughs> uh, all the things that happened in that time period. Uh, the, the first is it's like the boom of uh, the boom of the image guys at Marvel and all the books they create, we working on okay, that
1: were, Wait, it's a boom or Is it boomers and image?
0: Which publisher? Oh, right, <laughs> it, was, it was, all of them. Uh, the, the, you know, they had the, well, uh, it's all that stuff. It's all McFarlane and Lee and Liefeld doing the, the the, DC, the super Spider-Man and the X-Men books. And then them creating image and then bringing Alan Moore over and his imprint. And then them, and then Jim Lee selling Wildstorm under, under which his imprint was to DC who Alan Moore hated. And that, so that, ended up going badly. Anyway, this ends with, uh, Ray Clark, who is, um, what's his name? Uh, Gil Kane dying and that his funeral, he's been a main character of the whole book. And then we cut to, uh, the last one, two, three, four pages are all about Howard Chaikin's life. He, he's been a character in the book or the, the fictionalized version of him. But here we see him as a young man in New York a slightly younger older man and still in New York a, a, a late early middle-aged man in Hollywood a middle-aged man in Hollywood and then uh, he uh, decides as a as a sort of a middle-aged man to go back to comics leaves Hollywood and goes back to New York and everyone's like why did you leave comics everyone's trying to everyone's trying to get from comics to TV and he's just there's a really great final page where uh it's four panels with two inserts where we see him as a little kid laying in a bed in like a bed of comics we see him as a teenager at a comic rack at a newsstand we see him as a young guy at a, at a drawing table and we see him as an old old man now as we, as he is now drawing at the same table and he says really for better or worse i'm a comic book man and it says the end and i just thought it was a really nice ending to a book that we've loved but has also been confounding at the same time but um there's nothing out nothing out there like this book and I'm sad it's over but I have I've enjoyed it all the way through.
1: Yeah, what a fun I mean I hope I hope that this was a cathartic exercise for chicken.
0: Yeah. He certainly got a lot of his demons out or a lot of his stories out. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it, yeah. His interview with Josh was something else. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you haven't listened to that talk, explode with with Howard Chicken. It's whew, It is a. I mean, it is a ride. Like you're you're holding on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's you know he's been around since almost the beginning That's at least of the, of the Silver Age. So uh, he's got the stories. He's heard them all. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. But at Patreon.com, every patron has a chance to vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron, one patron, one vote. And this week as we mentioned earlier, was a tight, tight vote. And Wonder Woman number 1 ended up edging out the Jack Kirby Star Warriors book by one vote. That's the patron pick. Wonder Woman number 1, written by Tom King, art by Dan- Daniel Samper, colors by Tomu Moray, and Clayton and Letters. And this is Tom King's return to ongoing? I think he hasn't, I mean, I don't think Penguin's an ongoing. I would doubt it is. Uh, but he hasn't really done ongoing work since Batman. Which um, was a while ago. So exciting, interesting choice to Wonder Woman. I always check out a new Wonder Woman anyway. This is actually Wonder Woman 801. It's the legacy numbering is one. Uh, the leg- legacy number is 801. The, the new numbering is one. So the story of this book is basically... And it's funny because we talked in the last episode about how, you know, in some comics in Marvel, superheroes are outlawed in in uh, in the, in New York. And some comics, they're not. They're just there. They're just And in this one... The uh, Amazons are outlawed in America after Amazon Amazon uh, kills a bunch of men at a roadhouse bar after being, you know, uh, pr- provoked to. And so after this horrific murder, the uh, modern news cycle goes into effect and spirals into the point where Am- uh, Amazons are banned from America, much like mutants in are banned from Earth in the Marvel universe. And Sergeant Steele is tasked with capturing or killing. The, the Amazons. And that's kind of the story as we go through the issue until we get to the end. And when he's unable to capture or kill one woman herself. And there's a big reveal, which we'll get to in a second. What did you think overall about this issue?
1: I, ugh, I hate to say this as the first comment that I have, but I thought this was kind of a slog.
0: <laughs> I think the captions were very very um, heavy.
1: There were some some wall of text issues that I, 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 it took me a couple of attempts to get all the way through this book just because I would get to like a page where it's all the news talking heads and it's it's trying to show the progression of the news cycle in the sort of misinformation about the Amazons but I was just like oh, it's just, it's it's a straight on shot of a head with a bunch of word balloons. Yeah, there's a
0: lot there was a couple of pages of news talking heads and a lot of a lot of text.
1: So I I wanted to like this. I thought the art was really great. And I, I like that Tom King always tries to come up with a fresh take on a character. And I think he's getting somewhere with Wonder Woman. But this issue didn't. I, I don't think this was the issue that I needed to get fully invested in a new series.
0: It's interesting. As an aside, when he used to write Wonder Woman in her appearances in like Batman or whatever, She would he would write her as if Gal Gadot was doing the dialogue. And now it's just back to sort of standard... Uh, dialogue. We find out through the course of this issue that, so someone is narrating the book and they've, they've got a blue caption box with white text and there's a sort of an aside earlier in one of the news segments from one of the congressmen or talking about the Amazons and, and, you know, co- commenting on the fact that lethal force has been used and saying that's just a rumor on the internet, much like there's a rumor that there's a secret king of America. Well, it turns out there is a secret king of America and he was right. the one narrating the book. And I was so happy at that reveal because the book felt very um, heavy until that point. And what I mean is like, it was very emotionally heavy. It was very kind of dark, you know, it, he's clearly paralleling a lot of what's going on in America now and the Amazon's being persecuted and driven out of the country and murdered and killed in front of their parents and all these horrible things are happening. And I was like, Oh man, this is, this is fucking heavy. And then we get to the end and it's just a silly concept of a secret king of America who's, been, you know, a lineage that's been there since the beginning. And I was just like, great. That kind of silly counterpoint really lightened the tone of the book for me. It made, it made me think that it's not going to be such a heavy emotional slog the entire time. Yeah. I liked it a lot. He, I didn't necessarily love that he had the the, the lasso of lies. Didn't love that.
1: I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. It's
0: it's a little too much of the everything in comics has a thing about a thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Is it um, it worth noting? I can cut this. Tom King was at January 6th, not as a participant, but as an observer. Like he was live tweeting the whole thing from the outside.
0: He lives like around the corner from the Capitol.
1: Used to, used to, I don't, I don't think, I don't know that he lives there anymore and I'm obviously not trying to dox the guy, but like. Well, he's he's
0: said that many times online. Yeah,
1: but he was like literally out walking his dog as January 6th was happening and as a guy who used to be in the CIA wasn't so, wasn't so scared of what was going on that he wasn't willing to like walk around and take some pictures of just like, man, this, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And there's certainly a sense of that. I just thought, I was like, I was halfway through this issue. I was like, oh man, this is fucking bleak. And then it gets to the end. There's a silly old man on the throne with a, you know, a crown and he's the King of America. And I was like, okay, I feel better now about this book and where it might go. Um, and so I think overall I liked it, even if I didn't necessarily love the entire experience of reading all the way through. And I, and I totally agree with you that there's some, some points where it just, it is a wall of texty and hopefully he was just getting the exposition out of the way in the first issue. And it's not like that going forward, but as a Wonder woman comic, and it has not been that good since you know. Since I really love that one issue of the like the last new iteration of her where she went to Asgard and hung out with, As, with the Asgardian gods. That was awesome. It was pick of the week, and that that run didn't really live up to the promise of that. The, Wonder Woman seems to always buckle under the weight of, of Wonder Woman the character. And, yeah,
1: you've mentioned that before,
0: and I'm just hoping that this Tom King is enough of a smart writer to not worry about that. But we'll see. I mean, we'll never know. I mean, there's lots of great writers who have crashed against the rocks of Wonder Woman the, the book because it's it seems to be a hard thing to write. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it.
1: I, I will give it another issue to, to see if it, it finds its stride a little bit more. I didn't hate this, but it just... And, you know, it was more interesting. It clearly has got some other ideas about how to incorporate Wonder Woman into a DC universe mm-hmm. that I'm curious about. And so... Uh, I don't know. I think I was also confused at the start because I th- I thought that the initial scene in the pool hall in Montana, I thought that was just like Diana with a blonde wig. I didn't realize that we were dealing with like multiple various Amazonian characters. So
0: right, well, yeah, I don't know who that person is, but um, just another Amazon, I guess. Just,
1: just some sort of Amazon we've never seen before.
0: He's he's you know he's ex-military, ex uh, military, ex military, ex CIA, ex government. He's got a lot of things to say. He lives in Washington D.C. At least he did. He's got a lot of things to say about the current state of things, and I thought that was interesting. If, if a little bleak, but it'll be. I mean, and Wonder Woman's always been that kind of character. She's always been. Her, her character lives in D.C. and, you know, has a boyfriend in the military, so she's always been tied, you know, tied into the government. So I'm I'm curious to see where he goes with this. I'm obviously going to keep reading it. So she lived.
1: At, she lived at Watergate, according to 1984. Well, there you go. Do you know why it's called Watergate?
0: Why the hotel is called Watergate?
1: Fun, fun, fa- fun! DC fact. Are you ready? Yeah. That is where the CNO Canal ends. So there is a gate that lets the canal back into the Potomac—a water gate.
0: Oh, huh. I thought that wasn't it torn down. the hotel? No,
1: no, it's oh, I, it's no, that building's still there. I don't know if it's still a hotel, but like there's definitely like an apart. There's definitely a Watergate-looking building at the Watergate of the CNO Canal. Maybe it
0: was the Ambassador Hotel where.
1: I've don't know. Oh, You're, i I've gone back and forth with you on DC geography before. I don't trust you a, a lick when it comes to DC. One geography. of those
0: important buildings was torn down. I don't remember which one, um,
1: but that's so, but isn't that neat. The water gate. Like it's the gate. That's that lets cool. the water out.
0: Sticking with this book or not?
1: I will give it uh, at least one more issue, but, but it's, it is, it is, it's, I don't want to say it's on the chopping block, but it is not, I, I'm not like this issue. Wasn't the issue to get me hooked. And I, I would like to be hooked. I would like to have a wonder woman book that I'm reading, Mm-hmm. um but i'm not quite there yet i need i need i need to see a little more
0: and what's your rating on it this issue
1: <sighs> that's tough i would have rather so the are we allowed Sorry, to say the what yeah uh,
0: the ambassador hotel was torn down in 2005 it's where rfk was shot
1: are we allowed to say we did we say what this was in contention with for pick of the week is that is yeah that it, was ag- it, was against,
0: it was against the jack Kirby book
1: I would have rather given a rating to that for I don't know why, but <laughs> well,
0: you can't. You got to do this one.
1: I know. I know. I'm thinking, um, I'm going to give
0: it, um, three and a half out of five.
1: I think I'm down to a three.
0: Okay. That's fair.
1: Yeah.
0: But I'm looking forward to more. I'm, I'm curious. It, it, it was a slog. Hopefully it's not a slog. It continues. Hopefully we're done with the wall of text, but, um, we'll see.
1: And, and, <laughs> and, and you know, when, when we, there, there's, there's wall of text because the writer is green and doesn't know to, to rein it in. Tom King knows to, when Tom King puts a wall of text up, he knows that he's putting up a wall of text. And the guy's also a novelist, a, a, an accomplished one, a good one. So I, I'm willing to give him more leeway on that, but I am just admitting as a reader of the book, sure. that those wall of text slowed me down and made it getting through the book uh, more of a slog. And I, I hate to use that term. It's just, it's the truth.
0: I get um, it. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can vote at a book of the rundown, but if you give at the $5 or high level, one of your rewards is a superpower that is bestowed upon you live on the show. And this week, Ryan is going to do it.
1: I am? This is the first time hearing of it. <laughs> 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 kidding. Joel Rodriguez is the deputizer. Oh. Joel Rodriguez can deputize anyone for anything.
0: And it's legally binding?
1: It's, um...
0: Like, if he makes you a deputy deputy, you're, you're like, I don't know if
1: legal your... is, the, is the right term, but, like, so. you are compelled. Like, I, it's almost more of a psychic thing than a legal thing.
0: So you're compelled to act in that way, even if legally you're not covered.
1: Right. Uh, so, mm-hmm. like, you know, if he, if, if, if you need to, if, like, if, if Joel needs his car waxed and he says, Connor, I deputize you as official car waxer. Oh,
0: so it's not always in a law enforcement capacity. It's, no, uh,
1: it's 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 anything that I think anything that is subordinate to things that Joel could do himself, but that he wants some some backup.
0: So, is he like Huckleberry Finn or
1: a little bit? Yeah, like okay. yeah. I'm white, I'm whitewashing this fence. I deputize you as as deputy whitewasher. Yeah.
0: So it's more like he can compel you to do work for him.
1: Uh, yeah as a deputy he he has to like go through the process like it's sort of like a knighthood like he's gotta like right. you know he's gotta touch the shoulder or whatever
0: interesting so it's it's like a, it's like a low level compulsion power
1: yeah low level but also like you're i feel like there you know there's gotta be a little buy-in like you have to be you have to be interested in in the the idea that you're being deputized to do first and then he deputizes you and you're now so you were if
0: you were at a party at joel's house and he was like ryan i deputize you to go get some more ice would you have to go get the ice
1: no, I think it's. I think it, you'd have to make it more formal than that. I say you, you are now the deputy of ice procurement for the party.
0: Okay, but you still have to go so when, do it,
1: right? But when the party's over, my deputization is has ended. Like I'm mm-hmm. not forever indebted to Joel to go get more ice. But like, if he declares that I'm the deputy of ice procurement for for the party, then yeah, I gotta mm-hmm. take that seriously. I gotta go get that done.
0: I see. I'm the deputy. All right. He's the deputizer.
1: Well. Julie and I had a long conversation about English words having. A, there's many English nouns that describe a person where there's an an er and an e.
0: Okay. So so like. Deputy
1: Right, and so like he's the deputy er. Everyone around him is the deputy e. Right. And we were tr- we were trying to come up with examples where that's broken, and there aren't two words that actually uh, describe the the dual roles. But you know, it's it's interesting. It's just it maybe it's got me thinking.
0: All right. Well, thanks for being a patron. Joel Rodriguez. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is where you can go do it. Let's look I think we can sneak in one quick one, one quick audience question. Ken
1: I deputize the, you as the iFanboy question asker.
0: Unlike the typo, Ken J from the Great Night North of Canada. I was just there a couple weeks ago. I loved it. It was it was beautiful. Uh, my biggest pet peeve about comic book time travel is when people believe they need to race to get back to their own time, it's time travel. Whether it takes you two hours or two weeks, you can always come back to the exact same time. Or if it's Dr. Doom taking over the, the world situation, you can come back 10 minutes early and thwart him before he starts his chicanery. What's your biggest common book pe- pet peeve? I've been thinking about this question for 12 minutes. Or have I? Real quick on time travel. Yeah, um, let's,
1: let's get into that. For just I know a minute. this email is
0: not about time travel, but I do have a thought about what he said. As do I. Um, it's drama? <laughs>
1: Like, they, <laughs> right. The character has to be compelled to complete a task.
0: <laughs> right. If, you know, I mean, all these, yes, all you're right. You're totally right. Like all these things, every movie about time travel, uh, you know, Marty McFly tried to beat it in back to the future by saying, Oh, you can just go back, but they have to create drama. It's uh, otherwise, why are we, why are we watching or reading it? So, well, Marty
1: McFly has to race to get back because the, the circumstances by which he can go back are at a certain point in his relative future. It's the lightning strike. No, no, what
0: I mean is he's sitting there and he goes, well, he's worried about Doc getting shot by the Libyans. But he says, oh, well, I've got a time machine. I can go back whenever. And so that's what they kind of try to deal with it there. But they still still have to go back with enough time to make it dramatic. So that's why.
1: Well, the other side of that coin, I also think, is, you know, if you, like, if Marty McFly spent two weeks in the 50s, mm-hmm. but then goes back to 10 minutes before he left, now he's lost that two weeks of his own body aging. Right. And so if you, so there's also, there's also a, a a sort of, it's not just
0: relativity. He's just not now two weeks older than he was when he left.
1: I think so. And there's also like the Matthew McConaughey thing of like, if you're traveling relativistically to other people on a different planet or whatever, like your kids are getting older and every, every minute you spend on the wave planet is a a, a seven years. You don't get with your kids. So like, yeah, you're in a hurry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I get it. I'm not saying it's wrong to have that pet peeve, but they've got to, The story's got to be dramatic, so they got to do something. Um, I mean, biggest comic pet peeve. Have you listened to the show? Pizza. I it's like a million of them. I think it's pizza. <laughs> well, you know what? There hasn't there haven't been a lot of bad pizza problems lately. But if you if, if you'd asked me a year ago, to definitely said the, the, the way people draw pizza. I'm trying to think what my biggest one is. I've got a lot. Do you have one that comes to you uh, to your head immediately?
1: Uh, the one that I come to immediately. If we're talking about like mainstream superhero comics, I think. Uh, trying to make the costumes look like the movies. (laughs) I'm I'm really tired of that. Like, I just Mm. don't like it's, I don't think it serves the comics at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could, I could easily say the movies influence in comics is my biggest pet. It's probably my biggest pet peeve or the movies slash TV. But I think what you're saying is right, because you know, this is a fantastic world built bound by no, real world logic or rules. So you can draw any kind of crazy costume you want that wouldn't work in the real world. And it's more fun that way than a bunch of people in outfits that can be easily cause cos- cosplayed. So,
1: I, and another, I think another one for me would be, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, another one for me would be
0: people have 18 years of hearing my pet peeves. so
1: It's, um, you know, Biff Bam Pow comics aren't for kids anymore. we we say that, you know, we joke about that. We lament that. We also recognize that like, there's a ton of YA graphic novels coming out and there are comics made specifically for kids. And so like the, the majority of mainstream comics are being made for adult men. Right. Mm -hmm. Yet when there was like an issue of action comics where Clark and Paw Kent were leaning on the fence, having a beer, there was a whole big hubbub where like we had to go and, it had to be photoshopped that they're having root beer.
0: What? Who? What happened? When would that happen?
1: Uh, it, was a, it was a while ago. Um, but I feel like that's consistently a thing where it's like, we can't accept that. They can't acknowledge these are, these are not for kids even. Yeah. Or, or just that these are adults who do adult things. Like my, right. my kid sees me have a beer. Like that's, he's two years old. He understands that there's, 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 leche and there's agua because my kid goes to a Spanish language daycare so he, he calls this things leche and agua and then there's there's mama juice and daddy juice right like and he gets yeah. that like he's not supposed to have those and it's okay he's at two years old he's old enough to recognize that adults sometimes have beverages that he can't have and so it yeah. is a pet peeve of mine that we're not allowed to pretend that a hardworking Kansas farmer can end <laughs> his day sharing a beer with his son. And also the beer will have no effect on Clark. So it's not even like he's setting a bad example. He can't right. get drunk. Um,
0: yeah, that's, I, I, that's not a bad one. I, I mean, like there's plenty I've got certainly, you know, lots of costume pet peeves, uh, like this, so for instance, on this week's Booksplode show, we talked about the coloring of the 90s Superman costume and how it was bright blue and red. And Josh said, I finally understand why you're always complaining about how they color Superman sometimes because he just pops off the page. And then this very week on the world's finest comic, uh, Superman's costume was teal, mm-hmm. it was red and teal. And I was like, he's practically wearing a green costume. And it's just, I don't understand things like that. I've got lots of pet peeves. Everyone knows what my pet peeves are. Somebody used to keep a spreadsheet of them. One of the listeners, I don't know. I have, I have the link somewhere. But I just don't understand giving Superman a teal costume. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Beyond the fact that, like, you know, completely losing the, the, the core concept of most of these characters now. Batman completely lost the core concept of Batman. You know, all these things are just...
1: I also thought you you made a lot of sense uh, on a show a couple weeks back where you talked about Falcon Cap's costume. And the primary color of Falcon Cop's yep. costume is white. Yes. And that's wrong. That's incorrect that, for Captain America.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I just, you know, as someone, I think visually, my mom was an artist. I have a little bit of artistic ability. I, I just think that way. And when you see some, you, you know, every character, you close your eyes in there. And you, if you picture them, a color pops into, at least in my head. And Captain America, even though he's red, white, and blue, it's blue. Blue. The costume yeah. is mostly blue. If but it's I, also,
1: it's, it's, it's not, I mean, you say, you know, it's red, white, and blue. It's it's a, the color that pops in your mind. That's, that is what it means for them to be icons like it's right. iconography
0: and so to change it to white it's like if i if i see him run past the screen i don't now my brain no longer registers that's captain america it's like wait who it's just it's just the color wise it just doesn't make any sense for the there's a lot i, I, I we have to stop cuz i just keep going but
1: no but i think i think you know my pet peeve is that characters who are adults characters who are adults in the comic books adults. aren't allowed to be adults like as far as we know peter parker is still a virgin because they've no. read on his marriage they've read on his marriage no
0: and the marriage still happened they just forgot about it
1: weird well that's even weirder so he's psychically a virgin physically a non- non-virgin was he not sleeping with black hat i don't know they kind of like they i think they're a little coy so about what, you that. you want
0: them to show more superhero sex is what you're saying just, you want a, yeah. you want you want confirmation whether or not who is a virgin is not a virgin. That's your.
1: <laughs> I want I want a superhero that's virginal registration act. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I just want I want I want comics to be able to admit I don't need like full Watchmen level the. Uh, it's not like what you said. said. It sounds like you spewing. wanted
0: you wanted pornography.
1: It, it, you're 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 conf- you're making it sound like that's what I said. But what I'm trying to say <laughs> is. I want the characters to be allowed to act like real human adults who are not perfect ba- bastions of virtue and occasionally have a drink and, and have a fun, sexy time. That's one of the reasons I've been enjoying the nightwing run so much is that like, right. He's, he's having fun with Barbara Gordon and it's great.
0: I think the most important thing to note in this conversation is that you, me, can anyone reading these books who has these passionate takes or pet peeves, it's because you really care and love what you're the characters and what you're reading and all. Like you if you didn't care, you wouldn't have these conversations. And so I think that's great. I think it shows everyone's passion for for the medium and the characters and everything. Thanks for writing in Ken. Contact at IFamboy.com is where Ken wrote in. You can also write in for a Media Splode show, put Media Splode into the subject line. And we can do that on that show. We just got a bunch of interesting ones for Media Splode, which we'll try to get into the next episode. Quick plugs. This past week We've been talking about it on the show several times, but right behind the show on the feed, Josh and I released our books blowed where we reviewed the death of Superman 30th anniversary edition, uh, which is a giant uh, collection of the um, death of Superman story plus another miniseries. We talked about that. It was Josh's first time ever reading that death of Superman story. No, he wasn't. He was out at that point. He didn't come back until Morrison's JLA. So he was gone at that point from comics. Um, so we talked about that aspect of it. We talked about my memories of buying it and getting gouged at the comic store trying to buy it when it came out. Um, really fun discussion. Josh is sick of with COVID, so it's not as long as we normally go, But he was he was starting to fade. Uh, we didn't know it was COVID at the time, but he was uh, having a hard time. So anyway, it was a good discussion, though it was a good, and we really enjoyed it. Uh, the book and talking about it. Uh, this coming week is should be, you know, I don't know if it will happen because again because of Josh's illness, but we're supposed to have our media explode. Uh, this coming week. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, the September media split may in fact come out in October if Josh can't handle the recording. So we'll play that one by ear um, and hopefully uh, it'll happen. But I really want to talk about is the Pick of the Week 900 live episode. I talked about this last week. It's coming. This is 897. So th- three more episodes until our live 900th spectacular. Send in your emails to get on the show because uh, if you're a all- long time listener you know that we talk about the pick of the week book we talk about the patron pick and then we spend the rest of the time the rest of the three hours talk, answering your emails so if you want to get them in email contact at ifanboy.com put 900 in the subject line and the deadline to get them in is end of day October 11th because we're recording Thursday October 12th at 6pm Pacific 9pm Eastern you'll find links to watch the recording uh, that day they'll be on our YouTube page and there'll they'll be links on ifanboy.com but uh, get those emails in. I always like seeing the early birds, the people who email in as soon as that show came out last Sunday. I will say this. If you pay attention, the earlier your email, the better chance we're going to answer it. Because in the beginning we answer them all in order as we, basically they, they go in the script in the order that came in. And in the beginning we get them all. And then about an hour and a half in, we start skipping not because they're not good emails, just because we realize we're running out of time. So the first half, Emails tend to always get in the show. The second half, it's a, it's a cost of the coin whether or not they'll make it just because of the way it goes. So if you want to make sure you get your email on the show, get it in early. Contact at fanboy.com, 900 and subject line. Get them in by October 11th. October 12th is the live show. I realize Thursday is tough, um, but hopefully you'll be there to watch a little bit of it. It's always more fun when people in the chat room, and we appreciate uh, everyone who comes to watch. Ryan, is science sort of still happening?
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, and forever in our hearts. Um, don't have a new episode to promote, but I will promote. I, you know, last time I was on the show, you encouraged me to promote a episode from the archives that people may not have heard. So I'm going to do that again. Episode three hundred and sixteen, "Message in a Rocket." It is um, well, I my second or third interview with Doctor Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, cool. Um, It was about when his new book came out, Letters from an Astrophysicist, where he was basically receiving and writing correspondence to people who were sending him letters, which is a cool idea for a book from a a sort of public intellectual. But we also actually like, I think in ways that are relevant to what's happening in the world now, um, he and I really talked a lot about like what he's doing on social media, what he's doing on Twitter, why, you know, like how does he learn from when he makes mistakes in public? Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Um, why he decided to work for the bush administration like he's a you know he's a liberal guy it doesn't share their political values but like felt that it was important for him to serve so there's some interesting things there and then the the highlight of the episode is we do a dramatic reading of the there was a a, a thing written uh, was written on what was the i'm trying to remember the name of the website the website doesn't even exist anymore but this guy mm-hmm. wrote this theoretical pitch meeting for wishbone the tv show do you remember wishbone no Mm
2: -mm.
1: i bet your wife knows about it ask her but wishbone was a was a pbs show about a jack russell terrier who was obsessed with classic literature and would they would they would have reenactments of the classic literature with the jack russell terrier dressed up as like the main character so it's a jack russell terrier who is like robin hood
2: hmm
0: um yeah, I'm looking at it. I don't I don't I definitely don't remember this whatsoever. I was in uh, college when this came out. So.
1: But it's an it's an insane show because it's about a dog who loves literature. So that the pitch meeting thing is all about like these writers trying to pitch the idea that this dog is really into classic literature and the executives trying to understand what they mean. And and we on the show for some reason decided to do a dramatic reading of that article where we all played the different roles. So it's um yeah, it was a moment. So how can
0: people find that? What, what episode number is it?
1: 316. At ScienceSortive.com?
0: ScienceSortive.com, yeah. It's also important to know that all dogs like literature. You can find your library over our, our library. It's not yours. It's ours. Well, it's theirs they do It's like. everyone's, but it's ours. <laughs> but it's everyone's. It's for the people. Uh, the library of over 1,300 shows are over at ifanboy.com. You can find all of them there. You can also find them on our podcast feed. They're all there for you to listen to. Um, yeah, and follow us at Fanboy Comics on Instagram to find out what the Pick of the Week is before the show comes out and to sometimes find the Best of the Week in Panels feature if I'm around. And individually, we are CS Kilpatrick on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan on Instagram, Ryan Haupt on Instagram. You're also still on X, I believe.
1: No, that's I Haupt. mean I haven't, I haven't posted on either platform in some time.
0: Well, individually, that's where you can find us. And then I'm just going to fly through to subscribe to YouTube.com slash iFanboy. You can find our old video shows and we post this show every week. And, uh, consider leaving us a review or star rating wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you can rate them, please consider doing so it helps people find the show. We appreciate that. Thank you, Ryan, for stepping in, uh, Josh may or may not, you know, survive this and, and you know, we'll do the funeral episode. If that's
1: it's, if I that's mean, right. it, it worked out cause I think, you know, the, the calendar was a little needed to be rejiggered, but, uh, fortunately I, I was planning to be here, whether you, you were planning to have me or not. So we <laughs> so so, did it.
0: Uh, thanks for being here, I appreciated it thanks for everyone listening, I appreciate you and until next week Connor
1: wait, you appreciate me or you appreciate that? no, I said I
0: appreciate you coming and I appreciate the listeners Both. okay, I'm just trying to appreciate make sure everyone. who's
1: being, everyone's being appreciated everyone's I being appreciate appreciated. you Connor and I also appreciate the listeners and also I'll remind the listeners that the opening lines of the theme song for Wishbone were what's the story Wishbone tell right. me your dream
0: now we gotta pay them a the licensing fee
1: It's PBS. It's public. I'm no superman.
2: You've got your love online. You think you're doing fine. But you're just plugged into the wall. And that deck of tarot cards. Superman.